This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you. Uh, well, it is my great joy to speak on Ganesha. Ganesha here, we have Ganesha, and maybe we have an image. Do we have an image of Ganesha? Um, you know, I have a passion and love for sharing about the deities and the yogic traditions and what is considered bhakti yoga, really. Bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion. It's the yoga of opening up the heart and how to bring more love into our life, more relevance of how, how do these spiritual traditions, like how has it been that these archetypes, right, have, have passed down for thousands of years? Right? Why are they still relevant? Why, why is that happening? Right? Well, the thing about the actual the deities in this tradition is there's actually a science of the devotion. There's a science of how to open up the heart more in the path of devotion. And as we come to understand the archetypes of the deities, they come more alive for us because we become more embodied with the understanding of what they represent, right? So let's just, let's break it down a little bit here because Ganesha is a, is a very quintessential archetype that almost everyone I find has actually an attraction to, right? And you'd think maybe it would be kind of weird, but I think many people actually have very, a big attraction to Ganesha. So first things first, we have to look at the elephant head, right? So here we have, a deity that has this giant elephant head on a human body with a big belly, right? And um, can we just turn the microphone down? I'm getting a little bit of echo here. Um, the elephant head has so many significance, but it's more than anything, it's the expansiveness of mind, right? It's this big head. And Ganesha is said to understand the great wisdom of the cosmos, right? He understands the entire stars, the intergalactic play of what's going on with the planets and the stars. And that play of planets and stars in its gravitational fields and energetic fields plays out the entire journey of each soul. So this, in the understanding of the yoga tradition, is called um, uh, jyotish, it's the study of light, right? It's basically the very ancient science of astrology uh, from the yogic and Vedic traditions. I kind of differentiate both yoga and Veda because there's a certain degree of differentiation, but there's a lot of crossover. Vedas being those teachings that originated from the original Vedic texts, but they also have a crossover in the teachings into the yogic teachings. And the yogic teachings are vast. I don't, that's for another topic for another day. Um, but so his big mind understands the great cosmos. He understands the planets, the stars, how they're ruling it with us. And all that correlates to what is considered karma, right? So he is known as the remover and also the bestower of karma. And karma is that which we already know and that we've experienced and, and cause and effect from past lives and into this life and also within this life, 
right? So from the yoga perspective, they very much uh, believe in uh, past lives and what you carry forth into this. And that carrying forth from past lives is correlates with mind. So the soul, there's a differentiation here because the soul is just incarnating, right? Lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. But mind is what carries the karma. And soul and mind in the yoga tradition, they travel together. But the mind takes a little bit more quicker, it's, it takes a little bit more time to download. So from the yoga perspective, it's like the soul goes into the human body, the, the body starts forming, there's the birth. But, you know, from one to, like, or zero birth to, you know, about like two, there's almost like nobody home, right? And then the mind starts coming in, ego starts forming, and then all of a sudden, woo, I got a, I got a child that has a lot of personality, right? <laughs> The personality starts developing and like, whoa, this little being has its all, it's like a whole journey on itself. And it's like some things, of course, you see, like as a parent, right, you'll see those traits that you're imbuing within the child and from the culture and all that. But then there's just a personality that comes with each person that you're like, where did they get this? You know, my parents always said, where did you get all your musical ability? There's nobody musical in our family. You know, how do you play guitar and flute and all this stuff? And you know, I just pick up a flute, play a guitar, and I can start playing it, right? From the yoga perspective, that's my karma. That's what I already knew. I already carried that understanding. So karma is not always bad, right? It's not, it shouldn't even be associated with good or bad. It's just that which you already know. So then, and it's so easy for us to get into karmic cycles because it's what we know. And a lot of those things are very supportive, like if you always had to figure out how to tie your shoe and how to brush your teeth and how to move your body around and, you know, all the things that you already have learned, it would be quite obnoxious. It would take a lot of work to just be living. So a lot of what we live is already known. Now, the problem is when we are stuck in cyclical cycles that are ultimately keeping us from being expansive, from keeping us elevated, keeping us in our hearts, keeping us in the spirit, the light of love, right? So Ganesha is said to be the remover of those obstacles for us to have clear vision, for us to have the clear action to take that steps, to take those actions into leading a life from karma to dharma. Dharma being the soul's evolutionary path, right? So Ganesh helps us through the understanding of the cosmos because the astrologers could say, oh, you have come in with all of this karma, right? This is, they already know, like, oh, you're going to be dealing with this and this and this. This is what are going to be your challenges in this life. And sure enough, they usually are. <laughs> And then, and then you have to make that conscious choice to step into your soul's evolution. But how often do we consciously want to take that step and subconsciously we're pulled back right into our karma? So from the yogic perspective, they say, you're going to have to go deeper than just the conscious. Like, there's just no way, you know, I love how Bruce Lipton talks about, like, the, the conscious mind is only, like, 5 or 10%, and then the subconscious is, like, 90% of the mind's capacity. So he's like, if you're, you're literally, like, if you're trying to, you're, like, the mouse on the elephant, the mouse wants to go this way, and the elephant wants to go this way. And if you don't have your subconscious aligned 
to go with your conscious mind, there's no way it's going to happen. There's just no way it's going to happen. So what did the yogis teach us? We have to daily work with the subconscious. We have to program it, and they use this great science of mantra. So mantra is the great invocation of sacred vibrations, of cleansing the mind, of directing it deeper into the subconscious mind so that that vibration moves us forward. It propels us into an evolutionary state of consciousness rather than just the same old patterns or even regressive patterns where we are de-evolving. We're slipping darker into the shadow, into the pains, into the sufferings, right? So we use this invocation of mantra to help the mind, to evolve the mind. And so Ganesha's mantra is Om. Say this, Om. Om. Gum. Gana. Gana. Pata. Yay. Yay. Namaha. Namaha. Okay, that's like this baseline. So they, they, this yoga tradition, they say every deity has a, like this very seed. They call the bija, the seed mantra of the deity. And so this is the mantra that at the very baseline, that's what we invoke. Because he invokes this ganapati. And, he, and ganapati means, he's like, he is the, the illuminator of the shadow. He's the illuminator of ignorance. And, and so he's, one of his names is Vakratunda Mahakaya, Surya Koti Samhaprabha, Surya Koti Samhaprabha. He's brighter than a thousand suns or like a million suns. Sometimes you even translate a billion suns, just so much light. So that there's so much light that no matter what shadow that you might have, oh, so much ignorance, it's going to be illuminated. And we invoke that because we ultimately, this is, it's a teaching. And it's, and it's an invitation for us to step into that much illumination, that much light. Because we all have our shadow. We all have the shadow journey. We've all been wounded. We all have these subconscious programs that tell us we're not good enough. We're not worthy enough. We don't, you know, are not worthy of love. On and on and on, all the stories, all the limitations of ego that we've learned from the past. We learned from our parents, we learned from our friends, we learned from our communities. We learned all this stuff, and it gets programmed from zero to seven, particularly. We get all this programming. What is it to even be American, right? Well, then we have the whole concept of culture and boundaries and societies. But not only that, but we carry it from other lifetimes. That's why we look at human history. It doesn't change all. There's a, a lot of the same cyclical patterns taking place within human consciousness. In fact, we're in a very unique time where technology has been blossoming so much. There is a lot of newness. But if you look at before the last hundred years, it's pretty similar. There's a pretty similar journey. It's a very slow evolution. And we are rapidly moving. The problem is that the technology side we are evolving, but human consciousness, as the yogi teachings say, that's pretty much going to be this, a very similar path. When we look at cultivating virtues and moving through karmas, that's a pretty similar path. That's why they say the Vedas are relevant 
now just as much as they were relevant 10,000 years ago, and they'll be just as relevant 10,000 years from now or more. They're always going to be relevant because the human evolution and the consciousness is always on the journey of evolution, and the teachings need to be that way. They need to be timeless or else they'll fade out. They have to be timeless. And so Ganesha ultimately is a teaching of like, there's always going to be karma, and there's always going to be dharma. There's always going to be the journey of each individual wanting to evolve spiritually, mentally, intellectually, creatively. And so Ganesha represents, let's do it. Let's thrive. Because Ganesha isn't just like, okay, we're just generally going along, we're doing okay. Ganesha represents, let's thrive in this life. That's why he carries his sweets. <laughs> He's, and, you know, in India, it's like, they, you know, it's galabjamans or uh, um, what are the other ones? They're like basically donuts, right? So, but now, now we're kind of like, maybe we, we're moving away from the donuts. Maybe we know that that'll increase our belly size like Ganesha. And so now we want superfood balls. <laughs> maybe they're date balls with spirulina and nuts, and, you know, whatever it might be, chocolate. So Ganesha ultimately represents, hey, that's evolution. That's a conscious choice. Like, well, you know, donuts are great, but I don't typically feel that great after I have a good donut. You know, it, at the moment, it's really enjoyable, but then I kind of sink. My consciousness sinks down, you know, and I slow down, get the sugar low, uh, and then you have to drink coffee to pick yourself back up, and that's why donuts and coffee go together, right? <laughs> But if we have a superfood ball, maybe we eat it and we're like, man, I feel great. Like that was a sweet treat and I feel good about myself, right? I feel good. I feel I got my energy. So that's conscious evolution. That's consciousness being like, hey, I'm going to evolve what I'm eating. I'm going to evolve the way I'm thinking. I'm going to evolve the way I live my life. I realize like if I live a life of purpose more and more, I feel good about myself. I attract people who are really enjoyable, who are like-minded, who are open-hearted. Huh, how about that? So Ganesha represents a thriving life, not just kind of like a life. He says, no, we're going to dance. We're going to play music. We're going to have fun. And we're going to be expansive in our mind and expansive in our understanding of life. From the cosmos to the earth, because he's expanded and he's rooted. And he, you know, he also over maybe indulges. That's why he has a big belly. <laughs> but I think it's also very iconic because there's something very, I was thinking about that the other, um, the, who is it? The Maitreya, the other, the Buddha belly <clears throat> from China. And people, there's just an attraction to this kind of belly uh, effect. And it represents someone who's really enjoying to a certain degree. Maybe overindulging a bit, but, but enjoying. Yeah, dad bod. Yeah, dad bod. <laughs> Beer bod. Uh, but here we are, and here's, here's a beautiful depiction of Guinness. So the, here's the axe. The axe represents cutting the karma, cutting the noose of karma, that which, those karmas which are ultimately holding you back from dharma, from your own soul's evolution. 
okay? Lotus represents the awakening, the ongoing awakening, never an end game to awakening. Anytime we hear this concept, he is awakened being. He is enlightened. She is enlightened. She is awakened. Well, that's not the way consciousness works. Consciousness is eternally evolving. So you can't have an end game to awakening or, or uh, enlightenment, or then that's the end of consciousness. And that's just not the way it works. So that's, of course, we find these awakened spiritual teachers who then have a fall from grace, right? But what's that? It's their awakening. It's a destruction of an ego structure in which they and many others thought that they maybe had an end game. There's no end game. And there's incredible humility about teachers who say, hey, I'm just learning. And I'm here now, and I'm going to continue to learn. And we never, there's, there's no end game to this. So Ganesha's big elephant head also represents there's no end game to consciousness. There's no end game to awakening. So let's not put that limitation on our lives or even into our egoic structures. Because if, if we do, we're creating one more karma. We're creating one more barrier to what really isn't what nature shows us. Because it's so important to understand consciousness as Mother Nature also shows us. And Mother Nature also shows us life is evolving. It's always evolving. Growing, adapting, expanding, changing. Life is about change, constant change. And just when you think you're getting comfortable, what does life do to you? <laughs> Typically rattles you. At some point, it's going to rattle you. Why? Because consciousness wants us to evolve. There's no stagnancy. The more stagnancy we have, the more we get the belly. <laughs> what else we got? Okay, he also loves his abhaya mudra, which means, hey, whatever takes place, don't worry, I got you. Ganesha says, it's all good, I got you. Consciousness always has you. And that's ultimately what Ganesha is. He's an iconic deity, but he's an archetype, and he's, you know, for those who really invoke him in, in a devotional space, he can become the, of a god, right? But it, we have to understand what that ultimately means at the deep soul of consciousness level, because he ultimately represents that archetype of consciousness that says, I got you. You're on the awakening process. I got you. And then, of course, on the left hand, he's got the sweets, right? Oh, he's got lots of sweets all around him there, right? <laughs> he likes to eat. So do you see why this is important for us to keep that in awareness? Like, if we just think about, think about just consciousness or what we call maybe God or whatever, it's like if we could just think God, we might have a very just like, I, I don't know, whatever your perception of what God is or consciousness is, but these teachings say, hey, what about this aspect of consciousness? Are you thinking about the stars and the planets and how that correlates to us? Are you thinking about how to enjoy your life to the fullest? Are you thinking about the ongoing awakening process 
in a sense of like, hey, are you celebrating? Are you dancing? Are you playing music? Are you just having fun? Like, are you evolving, having fun? Or do you feel like, you know, your spiritual path has to be this kind of monotonous thing? It's just discipline or it's, it's just this thing I got to keep going to this Sunday service, you know, that kind of discipline. Or are you having fun with it? Like, do you approach life with just this optimism that like, you know, Ganesh represents for me, I'm living my extraordinary life. That I'm not living this conscious life of just like, well, I got to do all these things. I got to study all these things and I've got to do these meditations. And it's all kind of like potentially could be just kind of a burden on your life. How do I fit it in? I got all these other things I got to do. It's like, no, no, no. Ganesh says, let's live an extraordinary life. And we will awaken through our joy because Ganesh is joyous. He represents the joy of life. So, what do you say? Would you, do you want to awaken through your joy? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and so we take that understanding, and then we, you know, as bhakti yogis, we, we do our best to embody that. We use mantra practices. We have the deities. We create beautiful altars. Um, and, but perhaps the most important thing is we sing. And we sing to the deity. But we're not really, <laughs> there's always this question, are we singing to the deity? Are we singing to God? Like, what are we singing to? And that's ultimately your journey. I could tell you what I sing to, what it, what's my experience, but more importantly, what's your experience? Because ultimately, what I offer you is a transmission, only of my personal experience with Ganesha. And that's been my experience. But you have your own. And it's so important for you to have your own because then you embody the teachings. You embody the devotion. And if not, it's always going to be something out there, something foreign, something from India, something from someone told me about. But if you embody it, then it becomes part of your personal culture. And when it becomes part of your personal culture, then you get to imbue that and imbibe that, embody it. And then you get to choose, hey, I'm going to live a life, I'm going to live an extraordinary life, I'm going to thrive in my life, and I'm going to say, Jai Ganesha, because that's what I'm choosing in my consciousness. I choose to thrive. I choose to enjoy life. I choose to have fun and celebrate and dance and play music and all the things that Ganesha represents. He represents a big supreme wisdom. He said to have written down the, uh, the Mahabharata, the great story of, of Arjuna and Krishna, right? So he's also the, he's actually said to be the guru of the gurus because he's associated with the planet of Jupiter, the Jupiter's expansive mind, expansive teachings, and benevolent teachings. So he's like, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to teach you in a very benevolent way. Now, if you get too far in your shadow, then you got to meet my sister, Kali. <laughs> and she does things a little different than I do it. But if we can consciously choose the joy, you know, maybe we don't have to experience so much of the Kali experience. Yeah? Okay, so let's move into some singing. I'm going to invite Greg and Marie to come join me. <clears throat> so
So the first one will be uh, a little bit more of a minor, so it's going to be a little bit in the somber mood, and then we'll move, the next one we'll do kind of a celebration, okay? And can we get the mantras up there? There it is. So this is the mantra that I invoked in the meditation. Very classic mantra of to Ganesha. Vakratunna Mahakaya Surya Kotis Mabrabha Nirvignam Guru Medeva Sarvakaryeshu Sarvada Vakratunna Mahakaya Surya Kotis Mabrabha Nirvignam Guru Medeva Sarvakaryeshu Sarvada Om Hari Om Gam Gana Padaye Nama 
Padaye Namaha Om Gam Ganapadaye Namaha Everybody Om Gam Ganapadaye Namaha Yeah, let's clap our hands Om Gam Ganapadaye Namaha Om Gam Ganapadaye Namaha Om Gam Ganapadaye Namaha I realize I threw some of you in the deep end with kirtan, so I'm glad you, you figured it out and just jumped right in. This is typically the call and response of the chanting, you know, and I often, you know, people tell me, like, why is it so repetitive? Why are we just singing the same thing? Well, it's like we, we're trying to get that into the subconscious, 
right? It takes a while to get things into the subconscious. And then once they're there, and then people are like, I heard that song, and man, I just kept hearing it through the whole, I kept singing it like my whole day. And it was annoying, but I liked it at the same time. <laughs> and that's the good thing, you know? That's the beauty of mantra because, they, you know, the yoga teachings say, well, better to have a mantra going through your head than any self-defeating thoughts or criticizing thoughts or on and on and on that where your mind might be going and instead you're using this ancient vibrations to keep you elevated to keep you inspired and to invoking all the qualities that Ganesh represents okay I'll try to do a quick one of this one nice happy one next slide do I have this I think I sent it to you Ganapati Om Jaya Ganapati Om do we have that Nope, okay, well, we're gonna have to just fly by the seat of our pants here. Uh, Ganapati, say that, Ganapati. Ganapati. Ganapati Om. Ganapati Om. Jaya. Jaya means victory or praise to. Ganapati is another name. So there's a lot of different names for the deities, and the names actually represent the qualities often. And so Gana is like the, the bringer together. It's a communal connection of bringing people together. Gana Patiom Jaya, Gana Patiom, like bringing two people together, the conscious Sangha together, the conscious community of people. So here we are in Sangha, the sacred community. Gana Patiom Jaya, Gana Patiom. Perfect. And then we do Sri Ganesha. Shri Ganesh. Shri is this beautiful title. Like if you see, he's on the lotus flower. He's got all this food in abundance, like and all the garlands. That all represents Shri. It's nobility. It's it's royalty. It's radiance. So Shri Ganesha, and then Jai Ganesha. Mm -hmm. Jai, Jai Ganesha. Ganesha. So Jai is just similar, same. Jai and Jaya. Actually, Jaya is the uh, I believe it's the Sanskrit, and Jaya is the Hindi. So it's same. Jai Jaya. Um, and then we go back to his seed mantra, Om Gam Ganapataye Nama. Okay? Pretty simple. Here we go. C to F, yeah? Ganapati Om Jaya Ganapati Om. Try that. Ganapati Om Jaya Ganapati Om. Ganapati Jai Ganesha, 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 Jai Ganesha,
So much thanks you know to these incredible teachings that really have inspired and and been passed down throughout thousands and thousands of years of ages to really inspire us to keep evolving and ultimately that's what it's all about bhakti yoga is the path of of an evolution through the heart through the awakening of the heart and 
Ganesha ultimately just represents a certain aspects of those teachings of how to awaken through the heart to really live a life of optimal living. So thank you again so much for having me here. It's such a blessing. Thanks to this beautiful support, Greg and Marie. Everybody give them a little love.